Ayo Ma, what's poppin' baby? Welcome back to another episode of Remix. As always, I am your host, Sam Scheip, and joining me today is... Hi, I'm Dr. Gabriel Tate. Um, and what's kind of your background with uh, Ball State? Well, I teach uh, a class uh, called Diversity in Media, and uh, I-, I tend to think of myself as interestingly learning about things of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's kind of what brings you here today, as today is our special episode about Black History Month. Um, And just before we get into the meat of the episode, uh, what's been on your playlist recently? What have you been listening to? Let's see. I had some John Coltrane in there. I was listening to I like this reggae classics that I was listening to today as mm-hmm. I was working in the office. And uh, it, it, it's kind of a mix, if you mm-hmm. will. So you get uh, some Ziggy Marley. You get, uh, obviously, Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. You get a little hit of um, Bat Bunny. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. It, yeah. It, no pun intended. Bat Bunny is funny. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, so you one of those that like thinks that Ziggy kind of carried on the, on the legacy of Bob, or yeah, I don't, I don't think really anyone carried on the legacy of Bob. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, his work was just so incredible. Um, you know, I mean, he's literally a person. If you go back to the Whalers, uh, that developed a sound mm-hmm. that really, you know, amplified uh, reggae music. Right. Right. Um, so today we're kind of going to be going over a lot of genres um, throughout this episode and their connection to kind of like their black roots um, and just kind of like how they've been um, taken by, you know, the public, by uh, the media, etc. So first, um, sea shanties are kind of the oldest one that I could link back to and also because recently they've had a big boom in popularity. Um, due to TikTok just kind of going crazy, sea shanty TikTok. Um, but what most people don't know is that sea shanties kind of come from black roots. Um, mm-hmm. From do you, do you have any um, knowledge of that? Or? Not familiar with sea shanties. Okay. So that's a that's a new one for me. Yeah. So essentially, um, the origins of traditional sailor sea shanty have been lost in the midst of time, but it goes back to the mid 1400s. And most scholars will say that it essentially comes from the slave trade. So having something to do to keep rhythm with everyone doing their jobs was always um, something necessary, but not something that they really picked up on until the slave trade when um, they would essentially, like, the slaves would sing songs while they worked. They would have work songs, and then sailors kind of mimicked that. Um, And that's where we kind of get the sea shanties because in order for it to be considered a sea shanty, it has to have a rhythm you can have repeatable motion to. Mm -hmm. Um, So like even as far back as sea shanties, like a um, a genre of music that people would consider like vastly white is actually rooted in black history. Um, So I thought that was really, really cool uh, to learn about. Then we get into the next oldest, which would be like blues. Yeah. Developed in the southern United States after the American Civil War. 1861-1865. Um, it was influenced, again, by work songs and field hollers um, and minstrel show music, um, ragtime, and then church music from uh, that era. Um, but yeah. And so what you have just offered is, you know, kind of um, 
you offered this overview that's that many blues persons would say you missing the mark, man. You missing <laughs> yeah. the mark because it's really this idea of of an expression, if mm-hmm. you will, of the time of the circumstances that really encompass the black experience, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so that is this music transcends, you know, culture mm-hmm. and. It, it it transforms persons who are listening to it to a different place, right? It allows mm-hmm. them to uh, find themselves. Uh, if you're listening to, uh, you know, BB King, you know that mm-hmm. is who we hear oftentimes. Yeah. Um, and if you just listen to his voice, that voice is one that almost ministers to you, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then the the ability to utilize the various uh, uh, instruments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 is this wonderful creo of culture, this 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 speaking voice of one's identity mm-hmm. yeah I lived in Memphis uh, or I lived in uh, Arkansas and just right over the bridge is is Memphis Tennessee and we would oftentimes go down to I would take students down on on Bill Street and they would hear the music and when you hear that blues you can't just walk by and ignore it you, mm-hmm. you almost have to exactly run up to the to the to the glass and captivating you know yeah. and, and listen and see who's there and so that's a fascinating uh, uh piece of uh, experience yeah so then after blues comes through we get into jazz um that's a music genre that originated in african-american communities in new orleans louisiana um in the late 19th and early 20th century around the same time uh well i had its, its roots in blues which obviously we just kind of went over the history and mm-hmm. the culture of mm-hmm. um but it it um it came about around the same time as what we consider modern gospel music mm. um which is also deeply rooted in rich traditions of the internet said the the african-american the black church during the late 1800s um black church black the black church is something that you've actually brought up in class before uh, I think about like a documentary or a series. Yeah. yeah, it's called The Black Church by Henry Louis Gates. Mm-hmm. If you have not watched it, I would encourage anyone um, to go to PBS and take a look at that documentary. It is phenomenal because it, it reveals the uh, complexities of the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we think about... Um, gospel music in and of itself and I am no uh you know professional in mm-hmm. you know the many layers of gospel music right you can have classical you know gospel music uh you can have soul bearing gospel music you can have the slides that um are just hymns where people would talk about that experience and they would just cry out and you would hear this moan and this groan of 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 the uh of the person singing or sharing and it is just a fascinating thing and then you get into you know Kurt Franklin and you know his kind of new age which is you know been out for multiple years um uh, that presents really the 
the experience of the gospel mm-hmm. um, that is meant to ultimately draw persons in while helping them in their space or need for something to fill that void, it, it, it draws them in and offers mm-hmm. comfort or solace at a, at a particular point in time or encouragement. Yeah. One thing that I've always credited it to is like the like the allowing of like more unprofessionality in the music of uh, the or a church in general. Um, you know, before that very kind of stick in the mud, in my opinion, um, type music where it's, you know, you're going to sing it this exact way. We're all going to face forward. And if that's the way you choose to worship, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think that kind of opened the door for um, not only gospel, but for worship music in general to grow. Um, into what we see in a lot of Protestant churches, um, Baptist churches, etc., where it's more about like the feeling than it is about you know a ritual almost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So then we kind of leave that side, but still get into our feelings with rhythm and blues or R and B. It like a lot of times when people think about it, they think of like the Chris Browns and like those types of music, but it really like has. Uh, deep roots in blues um, initially and like through the 1940s on um, to then being influenced by hip-hop itself and just kind of a a blending of the two themselves into what we now consider R&B and what you know Justin Bieber claimed that his most recent album was R&B which people speculate themselves or speculate whether or not he should even be touching that genre but it's definitely interesting to see kind of how that genre itself has evolved, given that its roots are in uh, deep blues. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's... So, so when we say R&B, you know, I, I'm a few years uh, older. And so my initial thought goes to Motown. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It was that experience of Motown that had this incredible ability when you listen to the people that were singing it it scratched you where you itched mm-hmm. you know it was it was this challenge of the changing dynamics of that time married with these just beautiful voices, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I can hear Smokey Robinson, you know, in his in his voice. Um, Ella. Yeah. I mean, it, it is just, it is just, it's, it's, it's just something that's just a beautiful uh, crescendo, if you will, of time and space. And really, it carved out this niche, mm-hmm. which would give life to soul in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, this soulfulness of the the black experience. And so many would argue, many traditionalists would argue that, um, you know, Chris Brown uh, does not qualify yeah. under the, uh-huh. the scope of, of R&B. But the truth is, is that R&B provides the space for a person to find their voice within that context. Mm-hmm. I think the artists that, like, to, to the pops out in my mind when I think of rhythm and blues overall, because um, he kind of combined rhythm and blues and soul and everything was Ray Charles. Okay. He actually showed a clip from his movie Ray yeah, yeah, in yeah. class um, last week. Um, 
he is like he was honestly my first musical love. Like okay. I remember as like a kid, my mom had an eight track yes. of uh, Ray Charles, and I hit heard "Hit the Road Jack" for the first time, yeah. Yeah. and I went crazy and like yeah. it to the point of obsession. Yeah. Um. So that's like that, that gives a little bit of an insight into my musical mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. But you know, my dad's favorite was um, Louis Armstrong. Yeah. And so what a wonderful world. Yeah, that's and... my dad's favorite song in yeah, the world. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one that like you know when I first started learning how to play instruments et cetera that was like the first song that I learned how to play, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that's like a little bit of an insight into my musical yeah. history and like who's influenced me over the years. Yeah. Um, it, and it's funny if I can just for a minute, but uh-huh. I mean when you think about that whole Motown piece of R and B, what happens is is you have, you know, men and women that are coming into this space right. Gladys Knight and the Pips. Macy Miller. Yeah, uh, Diana Ross, Marvin Gaye, you mm-hmm. know, and what they're doing is is that they're bringing their personality, Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. right, as a kid, right? And it's like they're bringing this in, and it's like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. But it is a show, right? It is this wonderful, magnificent, incredible expression of identity mm-hmm. right the temptations i was thinking one of those songs that um um smoky robinson talks about that song cruising mm-hmm. and it's funny now we hear the hooks yeah but these songs really laid the foundation for what is contemporary now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what and became popular music. Oh my goodness, yeah, it's amazing. It's just so cool that like we can, I think it's cool in general, like regardless of whose history, like it's cool that we can look back at the history and find where its roots are. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, obviously, you know, study history um, regardless, but at the same time, it's just, it's so cool to see not only where we come from, but how far we've come and how you can still see the influences today. Yeah, yeah. And I would I would just d- dovetail how far we've come, but how far still yet we have to go. Oh, absolutely. And that and that is the 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 um, interesting part of that whole Motown thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's uh, kind of more exemplified in the next genre that I'm going to be going over, which is rock and roll. Okay. Um, something that's largely looked back as like, you know, when you think about when you think when you picture a rock band, most people will picture very white-fronted bands, when in reality, the person to pioneer rock and roll himself was black. You know, okay. Chuck Berry, yeah. um, he's known as the father of rock and roll. He's yeah. oftentimes, like, whenever, whenever, like, Rolling Stones does their, like, uh, top 100 most influential artists of all time, he's always in the top five, and yes. for good reason. Yes. Um, you know, his song, Johnny Be Good, is the only rock and roll song that's in space currently right um it was launched on I forget, the voyager okay um because they sent out a i think it was like a gold record and it had a bunch of songs and then essentially like if if aliens were to find it they were like <laughs> this is this is human culture yeah. this is what the earth this has is... to offer <laughs> that's real good um, i like that and it was just like it was something that nasa did as like a hey just in case there is life out there yeah you know, this is what we want them to know about us. Yeah, and yeah. Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good is mm-hmm. the only rock song mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Go, go, go. Johnny, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's that one scene in Back to the Future where it's like, this is your cousin, Marvin. <laughs> Marvin Berry. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I found that new sound you've been looking for. But but you know, it's funny that that whole rock and roll as a genre, right? I think it was popularized. You know, you obviously had Jimi Hendrix mm-hmm. that came about, but you know, Elvis Presley. You mm-hmm. you can't really talk about this idea of rock and roll without. Yeah, he's know, considered get, the king of rock and roll. Yeah, giving this nod to 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 Elvis Presley, which, you know, he presents this cultural. Um, what's the word? I mean, he presents this cultural paradox in mm-hmm. many ways, right? I mean, he's handsome and. You know, he struggles later in his life with weight mm-hmm. and drug addiction and, you know, and it's it's this, this, it's this, but he, you know, he's in the military. So mm-hmm. he exemplifies what, you know, that life at that point in time does. So he does the nod. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's, it's really um, that jailhouse rock, you mm-hmm. know, um, just it, it gets people up and it dances. And that's where he was kind of countercultural and that. You know, people would love the music and say, oh, you can't dance to that. Or you they know, film because, it from the waist up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he, 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 he gets the little gyrating of the hips and, you know, those types of things. And that actually caused some tension, mm-hmm. right? Because they were talking about this idea of cultural appropriation, mm-hmm. which is, you know, yet another piece, right? Mm-hmm. That anytime someone did, who did not normally represent Mm-hmm. that genre uh, comes on scene, you know, the question is, is, is there cultural appropriation that yeah. comes about? And, so yeah. and now there's new terms like culture vulture. I didn't um, hear that. That's good. Yeah. So you've taught me something. Yeah, that's a, that's a term used a lot of times in hip-hop. Um, culture vulture would be someone basically essentially trying to act as though they're a part of a different ethnic group than okay. they are. Yeah. Um, things like that. So like Takashi 6 9 yeah. the rainbow-haired guy, um, he was called a culture vulture quite a bit. Um, a lot of a lot of that being due to the use of use of the N word, even mm. though he is not black, or anyone in his family is, et cetera. Um, and a lot of people had an issue with that, but they still listen to his songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that I wanted to kind of raise the question of: is cultural appropriation like when it comes to Elvis? Because like when I looked up, you know, the origins of rock and roll, because I already knew Chuck Berry was considered the father, but I wanted to know, you know where do people attribute its start mm-hmm. so people like um i think it was billboard that said chuck berry did in fact invent rock and roll mm-hmm. of course similar musics would have sprung up without him elvis was elvis before he'd ever heard of chuck berry but i don't know if that's necessarily fair okay. right um like yes chuck berry had to come up with it originally so it's not insane to think that someone else could have okay but to say that you know, the person that came before Elvis that Elvis had obviously listened to, that had obviously formed this genre, to say that, you know, Elvis would have been the same regardless, I think that's a, that's that's reaching, personally. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's, that's one of those spaces that, you know, I'm not going to dive into the deep water on that one. But I will say this, that music circles are small, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you have very similar... You know, you have, what, Stax Records, which is in Memphis. Uh, you have Sun. Um, and so you have these um, environments where, and people are traveling on various circuits, right? So they're hearing right. and experiencing and seeing. And um, what do they say? The greatest form of flattery is imitation. Yeah. And so, so I mean, my attitude is get in where you fit in, but give mm-hmm. credit where credit is due. Exactly. 
I think that's I think that's something that a lot of modern artists aren't doing okay. um, as well as they could be personally, um, especially like credit to where, you know, not only where their genre came from, but like who their influences are. Mm-hmm. Um, and but at the same time, I think I see a lot of artists that claim influences because they know that'll get them like nods, if that makes sense. OK, like okay. it seems like every new rapper claims X, Y, Z of the greats okay. in air quotes, okay. you know, like they're going to, and, and when they don't, they get flack for it. Cause I think it was like, uh, Lil Xan a couple years ago okay. said something about like, Oh, I don't listen to Biggie and Tupac. Right. And all of a sudden headlines on TMZ, etc. you know, Lil Xan just dissed Biggie and Tupac, yes. et cetera. And it's yes. like, if he had just said, you know, my influences were Biggie and Tupac, people would be like, Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But because he said that he didn't listen to them all of a sudden he's, well, imagine someone saying that they never listened to Public Enemy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so so that's the challenge. And the truth is, is I doubt very many people. Mm-hmm. Or the Sugar Hill Gang. Yes. Right? I mean, I doubt very, you know, and I think that we are really one generation removed. You know, mm-hmm. a 20-year window, 15-year window. And so the expectation is now what would become challenging is if one said, you know, in another 30 years, I never listened to Eminem or, or Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Right? Lil Wheezy. Right. Yeah. I mean, and so it. it Kendrick, I, I, all of them, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's going to take time to see where, mm-hmm. where it lands. Yeah. I think it's, it's just kind of that separation of just like, I don't think you should fake your influences, but I think you should like be you know, honest to mm-hmm. who influenced you. Like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I was influenced by like Ray Charles and mm-hmm. Louis Armstrong. And that's something that I, I know is, isn't necessarily unique to me, but it's not super common, especially with my generation. Yes. Um, but at the same time, like, I'm not going to say that I listened to this person or they influenced me if they didn't, I'm, I, I'm not looking right. for that recognition, right. but at the same time, I'm not performing at that level. Yeah. I'm yeah, not selling millions of songs. I'm not looking for that validation from a culture, yes, you know, and I think that that's something that um, a lot of I think a lot of like younger rappers or like people in the hip hop industry or like especially white rappers they're looking for that recognition. They're looking for that affirmation. Okay, um, like when you see like uh, it was a couple years back, but like Macklemore said something like, "Oh, it's way harder for me as a rapper because I'm white." Yeah, and then all well, of a sudden, but they look go, at Machine Gun Kelly and yeah. others. I mm-hmm. mean, they have, <laughs> and that's where I was going with that. They they went and they interviewed like a bunch of other white rappers that were in the scene, like uh, Machine Gun Kelly being one of them. They like yeah. cornered him in an airport. Was like, "What do you think about Macklemore saying this?" And yeah. MGK just shredded him for it. Yeah. yeah, he was like, "You can't do that. You can't say that. You know, you can't cry wolf like that." Um, you know, I don't know what that noise is. Um. <laughs> Anyway, but MGK was just kind of like, you can't just go around saying that and, like, you know, let your art speak for itself. Stop looking for that recognition. Stop looking for that, um, you know, affirmation from essentially an entire culture. But I do kind of see that, like, you know, it's it's almost like you expect it to be, I don't know, because there's the term whitewashed, but then, like, in hip-hop and things like that, you tend to see like any white rapper, they feel like they have to like have a black entourage. You think that's a fair statement? I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but like if you look at like white rappers who aren't necessarily, um, like haven't necessarily made it 
Okay. They seem to think that that's going to give them credibility. Um, and it's something that, like, I think they get flack for. Um, but, like, one example being Slim Jesus. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah. I wouldn't expect you to. He's not very big. <laughs> he was just kind of a meme for a while. Okay. But that was, like, it, was, it came out that he was, like, paying. He was just essentially paying black guys to stand around in his videos. Okay. Um, to just kind of, like, promote that, like, idea of, like, I came from the hood. Mm-hmm. I live this life, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, do you have, like, any thoughts on that? Well, or? I'll tell you this funny part is, is that I grew up in uh, an urban community uh, in Pittsburgh, and uh, uh, I didn't have an entourage. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I was a, I mean, I'm not a hip-hop person either, uh, but I play one on TV. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but, I mean, the reality of it is is that those those ideological constructs, right, mm-hmm. um, uh, there is this performance layer that exists that transcends race, that mm-hmm. transcends culture, right? I'm sure if we looked at, you know, Bollywood or in India, you know, hip-hop artists there, or in England, hip-hop artists there. I'll tell you, can I just shift for one second and share ahead. something? I was in London, England in um, roughly 2007 or 2008, somewhere there about. Mm-hmm. I took some student athletes from Arkansas State where I, where I worked at prior to coming, and I took them to, um, um, to England for a study abroad. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm the professor, and when your students invite you to go out with them, <laughs> you go out with yeah. them, you know? <laughs> And so I went out with them one night, and we ended up at this hip-hop club, mm-hmm. right? Now, I'm a person, I don't like to be in clubs. You know, I just, you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. Scene. Yeah, and I've never, you know, I've never liked that idea of being in clubs. But mm-hmm. what ends up happening is, is we're at this hip-hop club, and downstairs, they take us downstairs, and, you know, people are all posted up on the wall, and they're literally breakdancing mm-hmm. on the floor, and I'm like, what? Right? So you yeah. have, you have, and London is really a wonderful place in the sense that it doesn't really view this idea of race, right? Theirs is more ethnic and cultural, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the Jamaicans and you have, you know, but these segments of these populations have these wonderful, wonderful, you know, kind of sub-communities. Mm-hmm. But I just remember watching black and white and uh, 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 persons from the Middle East Mm-hmm. you know breakdance and I was like check that out yeah right that was something that just kind of made me smile because it yeah was... and I, I think that's evident in a lot of other places um like I have an Asian friend who just um, just one I have multiple Asian friends <laughs> but um I say that because his family moved over from the I'm Philippines I'm tracking with you <laughs> yeah I know his family came over from the Philippines and they spent a lot of their time in Canada or yes. um and he actually got very into breaking which is what Mm-hmm. They call breakdancing because mm-hmm. um, breakdancing is more of the like commercialized term. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when you hear like moves like the robot or the worm, that's more like, you know, corporate ideas of, oh, this is what they're into. So we'll make our own moves and right. then we can coin them. Right. Um, so but breaking is what the original term was. Right. Um, and it's my it's, brother was actually in the original movie called Breaking. Yeah. That's uh, really cool. Yeah. He was in there. Or, no, he was in the movie called Rappin'. There was Rappin'? a movie, okay. Rappin', that was made in Pittsburgh with Mario Van Peoples. Mm-hmm. And he was in there. 
so breaking kind of came around in um, New York. Uh, mm -hmm. It was mixed um, essentially around the same time that hip hop kind of started to get popular. Um, and essentially it's adding innovative acrobatic moves to art. Um, it involves, you know, there's, there's, um, oh my gosh, what are they called? There's like power heads and then there's style heads mm -hmm. typically and the two different kinds of people that do break dancing. So power mm -hmm. moves is like the standing on your head and the mm -hmm. um, looking like you're floating. Really cool like one hit, like end of it moves. Um, so it's a big deal for like the black and Latino communities in the Bronx and mm -hmm. that's where it got started. Mm -hmm. um, there's um, a lot of speculation that it was kind of put in also with like martial arts and it was mm -hmm. um, developed from that. Um, which is also really, really cool. Um, yeah, I have, so that one friend, he, he kind of brought breaking to his like area that his family moved to in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was just like, uh, but it was just something that like, he basically got all the Asian kids in his high school to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, he, he, it was like in his high school, I think it was like five Asian kids and the rest were all white. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was just like that. It was just that thing for his group to kind of like latch on to was mm -hmm. like, now we, we do this, like we're breaking, we do this for like school shows, um, et cetera. And it became part of like their identity. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just really interesting to kind of like, I, that's why I thought it was really cool when you brought up like breaking, I was I like that people were breaking like of all different cultures, yeah. like in this club in Britain. Um, and I think like Canada also has like, uh, a better idea of like you know they view it more ethnically than racially a lot mm -hmm. of the time mm -hmm. um and yeah that's it's more seen like even when like you go to a show in canada if it's if it was on indigenous land then they have like a disclaimer before the th like in the theater before a show starts mm -hmm. they'll say like we want to honor the people that were here before us yes um and it's definitely really really cool yeah um and I mean, those are necessary, right? I mean, I yeah. think I think all cultures. I think, really, when we look at this 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 journey that you have wonderfully taken us on, you know, the history of music or mm -hmm. these genres, I think one of the things is is that it really does highlight that art and culture. You know, it's almost like hand in glove. Mm -hmm. You know, you you and we can take it with us, right? So it evolves, right? So you, I teach you how to rap, and then you <laughs> yeah. take it to your community, and I, and and then I go into my community, and before you know it, it has spread. And I think, did you know that hip hop music, the number one purchaser of hip hop music, is not um, black and brown folks? What would it be then? It's white. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah people who are Caucasian are... Is that like per capita or... The stats say that the highest purchasers of hip-hop music are people that are not black and brown. Mm -hmm. And I think that that speaks, right, that um, <laughs> it, it speaks to the value of this kind of crossover ability, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, me as a... a, a, a I tend to refer to myself as a cultural critic or uh, a person who looks at culture and identity. It's fascinating, right, in how music um, provides this space for you to be able to be what you want to be yeah, and who you want to be. 
and I think a definitely expression of who you are, which is kind of where I'm going with reggae. Mm -hmm. um, that was popularized or began in the 60s in Jamaica, um, and by the 70s it became international. Um, it was particularly popular actually in Britain first before the U.S., um, and then, of course, people like Bob Marley. Yeah. Um, Do you know why? Why it was popular in Britain first? Yes. I do not. Okay. So Jamaica as a land was colonized by the British. Okay, that would have been my guess. <laughs> yep. And yeah. so and so um um I'm probably going to mess this up, but I think it's Brickstown. Okay. Um uh, I'm trying to remember if it's East London, but there's a segment of there's a West Indian population that mm -hmm. is in London that have been there forever, right? Um, and 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 so that community is very rich and very vibrant. One of the scholars that um, that I just love his work. He he's passed now, but his name was Stuart Hall. Okay. And Stuart Hall was uh, British and Jamaican, mm -hmm. um, and just a fascinating uh, mixture. And so there is that influence. And yeah. you know, I've worked in Jamaica, and it's funny that when you go there. Um, what what you will find is that um, that the culture still maintains this interesting, you know, marriage between its um, indigenous community and its British, yeah, you know, uh, colonial influences. Mm -hmm. I think um, we're starting to kind of see that more and more in modern hip hop and rap. Um, so like XXXTentacion, mm -hmm. um, he's also passed. He's gone. Uh, yeah, he was he controversial gone. as well. Um, but in a lot of his music, he threw in Jamaican slang because that's where his family's from. Okay. Um, I don't know about his father, but I knew his mother was from um, Jamaica. So like they say, like like when you when someone's doing something dumb or you think they're crazy, you say they have bad mind in mm -hmm. Jamaica. Um, and so in a song that, like, was a huge hit from him, like Moonlight, mm -hmm. at one point he basically said, like, all these people have bad minds. Mm -hmm. And he, like, and when you hear, I think it was posthumously they released, like, um, that same album, but with, like, a bunch of, like, studio time that he had in it. Okay. And he's talking to this producer and explaining, like, essentially Jamaican culture. Um and like why it was so important to him to put that part of himself into this music, even though until hearing that out of his mouth, I would have never known that that was like the cultural yeah. cue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then like, you know, and I, I had picked it up and I had already like started saying it and like using it without knowing where it came from. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like who knows if I had run into someone from Jamaica and I'd used it in front of them, you know, there's always that chance of, you know, where, where did you hear that? Like, yeah. You know, cause like I, I've done that before um, with like Arabic words and mm -hmm. Hebrew words, picking up from like my different friends. Um, and then like, I'll use them and then get caught in the middle of this. Like, Oh, you know, was I using it incorrectly or not? Mm -hmm. Like, et cetera. You know, um, there's a little bit of like that mindfulness that we also have to carry with us, of, yes, you know, not being disrespectful when we, um, you know, not necessarily take, but borrow from other cultures. And, you know, like you said, like if you were to come in here and teach me how to rap and then I take that back. I can guarantee you one thing. I will not be teaching you. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we can have a cypher right <laughs> no, here. No, I'm sorry. We can spit <laughs> off the dome. Listen, I can't play basketball. 
<laughs> and I don't know how to rap. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we, we can have a cypher right here. I've been there. I've mm-mm, done that. Mm-mm. You know, we can we can spit off the dome real yeah, quick. I got you. <laughs> I, I feel um, you. I will leave that to you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna I'm gonna write a track about just this podcast. And <laughs> no one will ever know. Well, as long as you give me credit, right? Yeah. You'd be like, this has been inspired by, by Doctor Tate. By, by Doctor Tate. <laughs> uh, and then we have like other music genres that um, a lot of people don't think about. I could mostly because I didn't think about it until like way after I like made this list was funk. You yeah. Know? I don't think there's enough credit. George Clinton. Yes. I mean, oh my exactly. goodness. You know. I, I, I'm in a fraternity, and um, um, our fraternity, they call us the Q-Dogs. Yeah. And so anytime you hear and see, so when you edit this, you're going to have to pull that track in. But uh-huh. it, 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 it's it's Atomic Dog, and it say, you know, to the dog, catch a dog. Woo! <laughs> and, then you, and then all of a sudden, people just go crazy, right? Because mm-hmm. that is like the anthem for persons who are, uh, 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 a Q or an mm-hmm. Omega man. <laughs> That's a nice little nod to any of them that might listen. Um, but yeah, I think like the first time I heard funk, I forget what the movie was, but it was just some white guy. It was like, I'm talking about the funk. Mm-hmm. And then they played the, play that funky music, white boy, whatever okay. that song is. Okay. And I was like, is this what funk is? And then like, I had to like go online with my eight year old self and like, get an education on <laughs> on what funk really is and like kind of where it came from because it, it's it goes back to the 60s um but it's like it's one of those genres that i think is like constantly overlooked because it's not necessarily overtly popular mm. um yeah and then we can kind of get into more modern which is <laughs> modern it's the 70s but you know that's when um, hip-hop is essentially created from the economically depressed black community of the South Bronx. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would push back, you know, again, mm-hmm. some of the, 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 the tropes. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I think one of the things is is that this music, you know, hip-hop, mm-hmm. um, as an expression was really about people. You know, they used to... They, <laughs> So I'm I'm from, you know, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and New York is just just north of us. And you know, it's always interesting uh, when you hear kind of the the, the structures because people um, people that are making music like Curtis Blow and 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 that whole group, their function was not to make this a genre, mm-hmm. right? It was an expression of who they were in their own communities, you know? It was experimental, yeah. I mean, but but experimental to who, right? Mm-hmm. To them, it was just, this, is, are, this yeah. is who we are, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we like doing. And then it evolves, right? And it gets popularized. And then that becomes the space where someone says, oh, well, how do we put a, how do we put a name on this mm-hmm. thing, right? And people are looking like a name on it. This is what we've been doing all the time. Yeah. And I think that that's what happened, right? And yeah. so and so the context of where it was is that it was made um, under the backdrop of um, projects, right? Yeah. Which is what is a you know a major deal in those urban centers, right? And so. So that so so that's the lens that I look at it. What is the backdrop? And the backdrop is 
people that are finding good time, expressing themselves, pulling together, you know, their poetry and their mm-hmm. lyrics, and this is the culmination of all of that and of talking about and rap and yeah and you know. talking about their 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 life experience mm-hmm. if you will and then taking those um essentially like the percussive breaks of funk and soul and disco which mm-hmm. we haven't really didn't really get into um and i like disco <laughs> right i mean disco is 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 somewhat making this comeback right because um <laughs> you know in our class, you know, I will talk about, you know, disco and its impact at the point in time of um, it was this anthem, if you will, of free expression. Mm-hmm. Right. So you start finding artists like Sylvester. Mm-hmm. Right. Who was trans. And, you know, he's making this song and he's saying, you make me feel <laughs> right. And it's like mighty real. And it's like and, and it's like, whoa, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start seeing like songs like uh, the YMCA, mm-hmm. the right? People, yeah. Right, the Village People, and they're producing these songs, but it's about this expression. Mm-hmm. And so disco music is really, it's like, freeing. It, it's freeing, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's just like, wow. I mean, we have the one, because um, we were talking about, I think it was in class, we were talking about like, what kind of music do y'all listen to? Mm-hmm. And then, I think his name's Race. Uh, yeah, Race, yeah. yeah. He listens to, Ital- he collects Italian disco vinyls. And I was like, I don't know what Italian disco is, but I can tell you that I'm going home and listening to it, because that's, I, I would have, that's not a genre that I ever would have thought, not yeah. only to have existed, but to like, get into and devote your time to. Yes, yeah. Um. And so it's just like it just kind of shows you that like as much as you think you might know about music and genres, there's someone out there that's taken that influence and just ran with it. Yes, correct. Um, yeah, you that's, know that's great observation. Yeah, yeah and I, like I think that. that that's you know I think that's true for a lot of other countries like getting popular like with K-pop and J-pop. Yes. Uh, obviously, those have gotten vastly popular. We've talked about those on previous episodes, um, and just foreign music in general, and just like them taking. Um, but to them, they're not taking, you know, the black influence. They're not taking the rap influence. They're taking Western influence. They're taking American influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's very interesting to see when like where that separation is, that they just take it as a culture different than the culture that we would break it down into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's really cool to like kind of think about and get into of like, oh, this is how we view ourselves. This is kind of how we dissect ourselves. And you yes. even nodded to it, like with London. Yes. Their their view it on like more eth- ethnically versus racially. Yes. Etc. And like how we choose to break that down. And even like with the topic of this episode of you know I'm bringing, I'm trying to bring to light you know the the black roots in this music, but at the same time that's not even something that people in other countries would even think about mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that that's, it's very interesting to kind of look at that through that lens of yes. just like, um, yeah, this is just, it's it's just music, but it's not. Um, and just to kind of get into all of that. And then there's other kind of, you know, we've, we've talked about uh, genres that have a lot of black influence, but then there's also um, like country it's kind of a genre that I view as being kind of gatekept um, to the black community. Um, And we see that in multiple ways, like in their new artists, but also um, like in 20, was it 2018 when Lil Nas X came out with Old Town Road? Yeah. Um, And it was removed from the country charts 
because yeah. this can't be country. Correct. But at the same time, there's so much like country rap or pop country on the country charts, whereas like 50 years ago, none of that would have been considered country. No, that's a, that's a good point. Yes. Um, and at the same time, there's a lot of like um, country artists that like who are white that add rapping into their country music, but they're still they still get to be considered country, or they add a um, what would be a hip hop track in the background of their acoustic guitar, and now all of a sudden they're allowed on both charts. Mm-hmm. But then Lil Nas X comes in, and granted, it's more of a trap beat; it's more heavily influenced by hip hop. But why isn't it allowed? be on the country charts like yeah. why did it get pulled and yeah. you know obviously billboard faced a lot of scrutiny for that yes. um rightfully so and then billy ray cyrus is like no we're like if how like basically how dare you like i'm hopping on this song so you can't even like but then it, it took a like a known artist to just even get it to that point for yeah. it to be allowed yes um yeah. and to me that was absolutely crazy um like I talk about all the time of, you know, I don't think genres should have closed doors. Yes. You know, I think it's at the, at the end of the day, people take these genres as like, oh, that's just the type of music that I enjoy listening to. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have people that will say like, especially in like certain communities are a lot more gatekeepy than others that I've talked about before. Like the punk and the metal community, they're the first ones to tell you that's not punk or that's not metal. Um, and now we see it in the country community where it's like, that's not country. It's like, well, why not? And when you get down to it, it's like people are going to see it as, oh, it's because he's black, isn't it? Um, and that's just one of the questions that we have to raise is like, what's what's the best way of like bringing up that conversation? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we how can we open up that conversation in a way that like people aren't feeling attacked? Well, I mean, isn't the truth? Well, there's a couple things. You you had a whole mouthful in that segment. There. Yeah. Um, but I, I think um, there are some fascinating pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And let me see if I can give you one. Um, one is that uh, most people, when they think about when they think about like rock and roll or they think about um, country, um, would you call Hootie and the Blowfish? Would you call, was it Darius Rucker who was with Hootie and the Blowfish? You know, he has done very well within country mm-hmm. music, right? Um, and so you have to, you know, I, I think country music has an issue and they don't want to, acknowledge it but I think that the issue really deals with race mm-hmm. and I like your 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 approach about this gatekeeperness right mm-hmm. because um, that is one thing right country music is right it's it 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 is that experience mm-hmm. right um, but then you have folk mm-hmm. and you have these other genres that are you know bluegrass right mm-hmm. I love bluegrass. I do too. Ricky Skaggs I, I is awesome. I love bluegrass. Yeah. But but I, I think that country has been one that has really tried to wrestle with and understand its own mm-hmm. identity, right? And I and I I don't know that they've done the best job at really um nailing it. 
I do want to go back. Can I? Can I? Can I? Yeah. So, um, so for me, this is a unique um, space for me in part because um, I have a my cousin is the lead singer for a Christian rock group called mm-hmm. DC Talk, and so um, and so Michael when he was getting started he was in rap music. And they had a Christian group called, uh, I'm sorry, so DC Talk was there. Mm-hmm. That, was the, that was the rap group. And then now he's the lead singer for a group called the Newsboys, mm-hmm. right? And it's always funny because Michael is, um, I love him. <laughs> and, and, but he is funny because he doesn't represent, he's from DC, uh-huh. right? And and it's like when you listen to Michael and and he's singing, he has such an ability to cross through different genres, right, and still maintain that sense. So he has, you know, he has gospel obviously mm-hmm. in his roots, growing yeah. up in the church. You know, he has the rock, so he has the, you know, the guitars that can sing to you, mm-hmm. and the, you know, and the instruments, and he has the drummer, you know, that is just, you know, going crazy. And and he brings that to this space, right? He wears skinny jeans, <laughs> right? And I'm like, dude, I can't wear skinny <laughs> jeans. But, I mean, it, it, he has done a phenomenal job in being a bridge, mm-hmm. right? Um, his sister, Linda Randall, also, she's a gospel singer who sang with the Gaithers, mm-hmm. right? So she has, you know, brought a bridge between you know, gospel music traditionally by, you know, African-Americans into that white space, Mm -hmm. you know, which would be the Gaithers. Wonderful, wonderful persons who who have made this contribution and kind of bridged where I think country music is still struggling a little bit. They're still struggling. Yeah, so is it kind of up to, in your opinion, um, or in your viewpoint, would it be kind of more up to these new artists to become those bridges or... You know, could they use a little bit of help from, you know, people like Billboard or um, the people that, you know, people look to for what is music right now? Um, Yeah, I I think one of the hard parts in that conversation is uh, my short answer is. I don't know. uh Right. I mean, that's my short answer. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. And that answer is in part because. um, The industry controls itself. Yeah. Right? So they're determining who's going to be that next breakout artist. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the whole politics of music that I don't... Yeah, you know. industry plans and things <laughs> like that. Yeah. 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 It's it's definitely, like, I just think it's it's hard for people to know, like, where to enter that conversation or how to open up that conversation in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, we had that one, I forget his name, and I don't really want to give him any publicity, but that one country artist that got in trouble for yeah. drunkenly spouting the N-word multiple times. Yeah, well, um, I, I think that, and I, we were talking about this in class today, that sometimes the truth juice brings out things inside of people that, uh, you know, it was there. And yeah. so, yeah. But that's another thing. Yeah, but you know, it's but it's it that I think that started to kind of get the ball rolling um, in the country community about like we have a problem that we need to solve. But mm-hmm. it took someone, you know, basically just getting caught for 
saying something absolutely horrible, mm-hmm. um, albeit intoxicated. Um, but you know that that's not an excuse, obviously. Um, but it took that for them to even look at themselves and be like, "There's a problem here." Well, can I tell you a secret? Sure. The industry has known that it's a problem. Yeah. This just brought it public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And so I think that that's really the place of, you know, where where there needs to be some help, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that many times we know that, you know, people say our crazy cousin, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people know that the person over there has these ideological constructs they don't say anything, mm-hmm. right? Because it's either not cool, um, they don't know how to address it. And I think that what happened with him is that, um, how do you say this? I, I think music is always this interesting thing because it's really about the brand and musicians, unfortunately, are a dime a dozen, right? Mm-hmm. And so- Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, and so, to some extent, what happens is, is that you end up in this space where you've made a made a mistake, um, and then if the dollars are, you know, if I mean this guy, from my understanding, really was raking in the money, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he was a hot item. He was a breakout country artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and so, the question is, is that. You know, does the industry stay with him? Mm-hmm. And I think you have all these equations, right? The timing and this here and that there. But time is a time is an interesting thing. Time, many times people can redeem and recoup their ideological constructs. I mean, it, it, it just comes out in a different way where industry may find one to be more acceptable. So Yeah, and then, you know, we've been talking about cancel culture in class. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people kind of can't stand it because it it i it has the idea that people can't grow people yes. can't learn from their mistakes right um people can't essentially apologize mm-hmm. um and you know that begs the question like if he were to come out and i think he did come out with a public apology um but it's like you know does that make it okay obviously not but like what and then the question is okay what what can he do Mm-hmm. You know, what can someone do? You know, are like I got a secret. Hmm. You ready for my secret? Sure. Don't say something like that. Yeah, just don't do it. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean let's no. just be honest. I mean that that's the reality that I think really is in place. Just don't don't be don't be don't be a racist. Don't yeah, you know, don't don't do, don't do it. Right. I mean yeah. you don't have to you won't have to get canceled for something if you don't do it. Yeah. Um and yeah, and it. I think that's fair. But then, you know, is there a is there a future for him in in that way? You know, yeah. obviously his main demographic isn't the black community. Um yeah. especially now. Um but then you know, is there any way for someone like that to, you know, get redemption? And I don't I don't know if there is. You know, obviously mm-hmm. there have been celebrities that have been caught saying that type of stuff. Um you know, like Hulk Hogan, et cetera. But like, what what really happened to their careers? Not yeah. much. Yeah. Well, and and I think it all depends on the environment where the persons or persons are. Here, here's the truth, and I I'm a firm believer of this. And people, you know, sometimes people struggle in hearing this, right? But if a person reveals who they are, just believe them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, and I think that that's really the challenge that exists, right? That 
many times people we 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 make ourselves into pretzels mm-hmm. um, because we like that song. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, like with um oh what's his name? Oh gosh, R. Kelly. Yeah. You know. I mean, R. Like, are you are you still gonna listen to Remix to Ignition? Uh, well, <laughs> no. Exactly. Matter of fact, R. Kelly's not listened to in our home. So yeah, I mean, hey, listen, I can hear some of the students that might listen. Uh-huh. What Dr. Tate listen to R. Kelly? <laughs> I mean, R. Kelly got many a people in trouble yeah. over the years, and I'm saying that in a, you know, somebody put on an R. Kelly song and they would listen to it and be like, uh oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, you know, but do you listen to it? And, you know, that kind of goes back to a previous uh, podcast that we did about, you know, kind of holding your heroes to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if and like, what do you do in response? Like, because people aren't just going to start playing Remix to Ignition in the club. You know, it's, it's, it's just a thing. I haven't heard it in the club in a while. <laughs> Are they still playing it? I have no idea. Oh, not, OK. We're both not club goers, <laughs> but. You know, like, or with Michael Jackson, um, you know, he has allegations against him. Yeah. He's gone, though. He's gone. Yeah, he's he's already gone. So I guess if you're listening to him, he's not getting the money anyway, if that's how you want to look at it, yeah. which is more morbid. But still, like, if he were alive, though, would you still be listening to Michael Jackson yeah, right. in response to the allegations? And I think yeah. most people would. You know, he's iconic, you know, king of pop and everything. Um, but I think it still stands, like, holding to a higher standard um you know and i think people need to be more comfortable having these conversations Mm -hmm. about you know whether it's holding someone to a higher standard in light of you know something coming out about them like you said you know if they show them who you are believe them yes um i think that's a really good takeaway um and also you know having being more open to having these conversations about um whether it's you know racial roots or Um, whatever it happens to be about what influences the music that you listen to. Um, I thought this was a really important episode to get recorded, to bring you on um, and everything just in light of Black History Month. I want to get it out there um, just for everyone's sake, um, because I think that you're someone that they can actually like learn from. And I thought that this was very beneficial, um, not only to myself, I learned something. I hope you learned something and I hope everyone at home learned something. Uh, As always, I've been Sam Scheip, and I'll see you on the next episode of Remixed.